0: Welcome to Menu Feed, a bi-weekly podcast from Winsight Media's two food service brands, restaurant business and food service director. I'm Pat Coby, senior editor covering menu trends and topics for both brands. Today I'm chatting with Rohini Day, owner of Vermilion Restaurant in Chicago and founder of Let's Talk Women, an initiative she launched about a year ago to collaborate with other women chefs and restaurateurs on multi-course dinners panel discussions, and other events. What began in Chicago has now expanded to 13 other locales, and on March 8th, International Women's Day, cities from New York to Miami, Seattle, Phoenix, and Minneapolis will take part in Let's Talk and Dine Together. Restaurants with women at the helm will host dinners for 100 to 400 guests, prepare special takeout packages, and offer live panels. All of which will provide financial rewards and increase opportunities for women in the industry. Rohini has also put together a virtual summit with high caliber industry change makers, taking place on March 1st. Listen how she shares how she and other scrappy women entrepreneurs are revolutionizing change in the restaurant world by boosting each other up and in the process boosting revenue and visibility for their businesses. Welcome, Rohini. So happy to have you join me today. Pleasure to be here, Pat. I've been a fan of yours for decades now. Well, the feeling is mutual. So first, let's talk a little bit about Vermilion because that's where I first got to know you. Tell me about how you created Vermilion and what your background was that brought you to the restaurant industry.
1: So my background was the antithesis of restaurants. Uh, <laughs> Other than the fact that I loved to dine out at them, I've grown up in India in thirteen different cities. My father was in the Air Force Air Force brat big fan of Indian food, and I feel that it has been done gross injustice in the u s till today. I see it booming and flourishing in London, in you know Hong Kong, in so many other metropolitan cities, but it is still improving substantively but not quite that at the pace i wanted to and so i set out in my infinite humility to change the map of indian cuisine in the u.s in 2003 that was my intent my prior background was at mckinsey and company and at the world bank and before that academia with a phd but uh, and my passion is still development economics but uh, Plunged in after doing a very thorough due diligence, McKinsey style of the economics, what's it going to take? Because I knew one thing I wasn't going to be caught dead in the kitchen cooking. That is not my calling. It is not my joy. Salute to those who like to do it, but it, (laughs) it is not for me. So I knew my limitations and I knew also very clearly the kind of concept I wanted to do, which is Indian and Latin American, a melding of the two. And so I was looking for a very particular profile and it took a while getting it off the ground, a year. Mm -hmm. And so uh,
0: what were some of the signature dishes you had in the beginning? And I know you've been open now almost uh, 18 years. So are any of those dishes still
1: on the menu? You know, uh, Vermilion's Indian Latin is very close to my heart because one, my Indian background, two, I am a huge fan of the Latin American culture. Mm -hmm. We share a lot of historical cross influences. The Portuguese were on our shows for four centuries, all of Brazil. Spain is influenced heavily by Moorish and Persian cultures. And so things like, you know, saffron, cumin flow through the India and regions around to Spain, to all of Latin America. Mm -hmm. And so I had a lot of latitude to play with. I've traveled to 11 countries in South America and Central America and so Some dishes that bring my concept to life are examples like the lobster Portuguese, Mm -hmm. which is based on the, on the historical influence that I spoke of when we opened this dish was number one globally by USA today. They did an annual ranking of uh, top 20 restaurants worldwide over elbowly Pat and Fat Dark and others. It just, blew us away so this dish is still a staple very much on our menu as is a vegan rendition of it my personal favorite the tandoori skirt steak it is uh, sacrilege (laughs) because it's beef but it's seared in the tandoor it's marinated in extremely bold vermilion melted uh, spice and it is so tender that's my take-home dish but then again the tamarind chili barbecue ribs that's another one that i love and i can go on and on yeah well skirt steak is definitely
0: latin i know they serve a lot of it in argentina and countries around there so, correct yeah that's definitely an example of fusion working well
1: <laughs> you know uh pat i'm glad you asked because it's not just historical but you know we if you walk into a Mexican marketplace, it is a spitting image of India. Mm. When you see that all the things with tamarind, the candy, the ice cream, the sodas, the the heavy usage of mango in similar ways, cilantro, plantain, rice, beans, lychee, guava, it is India. Mm. So, So we play on some of that, then there's the historical that I mentioned. And most of all, I wanted to do something deeply provocative. Mm-hmm. If I had done Indian French, no one would have batted an island because French is deemed the end all and be all. And, and I and I take umbrage to that personally. But uh, and I'm glad the world is waking up to other cuisines now. Mm-hmm. Um, but Indian Latin got a lot of attention as well as <laughs> people really flummoxed for the combination, and that and that aroused their curiosity. And I, I think it also makes Indian much more approachable for those who consider it to be just curry in a hurry and hot and spice and all the ridiculous stereotypes that it's Mm -hmm. associated with.
0: Definitely. I mean, I ate there right at the beginning. And I remember that everything was subtle, but really bold and flavorful. So thank you. Let's talk about let's talk women, because that's your newest initiative. And it started during the pandemic. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. And you got not it. Right. Oh, go ahead. I mean, I was not. going to say you got it off the ground in Chicago during the pandemic. So tell me, you know, what was the impetus behind that and how it um, worked?
1: Let's talk women has a little bit of history to it. As I mentioned, you know, with the World Bank and McKinsey, I'm not a stranger to what I call, to what we know is the glass ceiling. Uh, when I entered restaurants 18 dog years ago, I, I, it's, it just made me ag- aghast. How low is what I deem the gastro ceiling? Women abound in coal stations and in pastry, and that is not where you get to learn how to lead a kitchen. Mm-hmm. Or all the managerial and the costing and all of the aspects of it that you need to know to speak to owners and to learn to own your own restaurant ultimately and I'm a fundamental believer that with only with ownership comes power and with only women owning many more restaurants and restaurants of scale will, th- will this industry cleanse itself of its bad rap. Ooh. So, So I set about to change this in 2011, when I started the James Weard Foundation's Women's Leadership Program with one mentee and that we grew that to 30 around the country. This was with Susan Angaro. And I led and chaired that and grew it across three programs to help women access finance, owning it, Women's Entrepreneurial Leadership Program. I was a faculty, did that for 10 years. But during the pandemic part, in in middle of 2020, Most associations and foundations had put a big pause on their programming. And that was when I felt us, we as women entrepreneurs needed needed the help the most. We were mandated shut. We had no access to vaccines, hand sanitizer, testing, but we were expected to operate safely and keep our employees safe. It was a conundrum beyond belief, as you can imagine, right? While we racked up debts steadily for months. So I reached out around 15 of my colleagues, my women restaurant owners in Chicago to ask them how they were tackling this. And that conversation proved to be so magical that I set about deliberately to open up and replicate Let's Talk in different cities and it's now in 13 different cities, mm. 13. And Chicago is 50 of us, all women owners of all sizes, stripes, which I love. This is not just for your celebrity, chef, or owner, it's everybody in food and drink. And we and are over 600 of us around the country, limited only by my bandwidth. Band and then I can go into much more pat on what we do and how we do it, if if you're interested.
0: Oh, sure. I wanted to hear about um, let's you know talk and dine together because that's when I first became aware of the whole project. Because I I know Mary Aragoni pretty well, and I know she was involved in that. And there were about five or six chefs in the beginning for the first let's talk and dine
1: together. Is that correct? Let's talk. Women has been incredibly useful to us in a few different ways mm-hmm. the, the overarching goal is to boost our businesses mm-hmm. it is not charity or philanthropy and we all individually do enough of that and there are a few ways we do that one is just with our monthly conversations which are regimented by zoom where we share what's working working for us and what's not and how can we help each other mm-hmm. it's the tiniest of things form who's your hpa guys to I need staffing, who's this contract, accountant, vendor, whatever, to bigger issues. And and these conversations are brutally candid, very honest, and uh, not recorded at all. Totally confidential. It it has been amazing how well we've gotten to know each other through these, not just in, in our own cities, but also across cities. The second level that we move to is economic collaborations. And we've done multi-restaurant tasting menus, which initially were for takeout, and then we moved to in-person. So I, I was hosting supper clubs in my restaurant Vermilion, uh, where we showcase five of us. Our guests love it because they get to meet us, they get to feel the angst of running our businesses while having our food. We love it too; it's a, a huge boost of adrenaline for us. Mm-hmm. So collaborations. Our biggest collaboration was last year. Uh, for International Women's Day where 100 of us women restaurateurs came together across nine cities to do these takeout dinners. We were all mandated shop then, March of last year. Right, And that was hugely successful. So this year we are uh, making last year's plans look tiny in comparison and we're thrilled about what we have in the works.
0: Yeah, Well, I was thinking of um, I, I was familiar with the dinner you did in Chicago and that involved about five she-
1: women chefs. I would have been one of these tasting dinners yeah. because "Let's Talk and Dine Together" was our International Women's Day dinner, and we had twenty women restaurateurs part- participate. Oh wow! But but Pat, you touched upon Mary Aragoni, so I want to share uh, an- another aspect of "Let's Talk," which is each of our cities is co-hosted by two to five incredible women restaurateurs. We are the group that nourish and sustain it within each city. We don't call ourselves leaders co-hosts and and, and Mary is one of them in Chicago but so is Jodi and, and we always have people rolling in, rolling off and I've got an incredible roster of women who've stepped up in each of these 13 cities. I'm sure you will know all of them mm-hmm. and um, so we We are the ones who drive the collaborations within each city. And unlike any other association or forum, we have our ready-made, all our venues, our guests our following our customers. We don't need to start from scratch. And so we deploy rapidly and different cities are doing different things. Let a thousand flowers bloom. We are very decentralized. You don't have to like check and approve none of that. Mm -hmm. In fact, our credo pack is, I call it B-cube, which is number one is no bullshit. And we never BS each other. You'll never find, oh, my business is fabulous when it's not. You know. Right. Number two is the move at breakneck speed. We love doing these collaborations. So if two women run off and do something, or we, or we come up with a gift basket and we try it, or we target the corporate, corporate segment, or we do panels and forums, Go for it. If, if, if it works, we are anal about spreading the learning across cities. Our co-hosts will attend each other's sessions and dis- disseminate the information. If it doesn't work, nothing lost. Mm-hmm. Move, move on. So that's the second B, and the number th- uh, The third B is no bureaucracy. So we are flat, we are peers, we don't pay salary to a ceo we don't uh, have overheads and rent anything that we raise whether by way of tickets or industry support or anything comes straight to our women to our bottom lines and that is what we need today we don't need platitudes we don't need webinars we don't need manuals and we don't need awards we need significant help (laughs) so that is what let's talk women is
0: it's really a unique model. I don't think it's ever been tried before. I mean, it's very, very unique and different.
1: I'm biased <laughs> as the founder. And, and, and I cannot tell you how much time I spend on it, Pat, getting oh, these sure. groups off the ground and ensuring it. But it is. I think it's a game changer completely. It's collaboration between competitors. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. To boost each other collectively, to cross-promote each other, to make the size of the pie bigger for each other to counter the scale of our male restaurateur colleagues, Mm -hmm. right? Because if you think about Chicago, you can think about, let us entertain you, you can think about the Boca group, you can think about 5050, you can think about uh, one off, you can think about 10 male restaurateur groups off the hat, name one woman owned restaurateur group. Well, (laughs) what about in New York? Yeah, same. Same. So sad, right? It is sad. It is pathetic, and it's 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 it, it's a bit of a it's 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 a catch twenty two vicious cycle mm-hmm. because you have to have the PR dollars to actually get noticed. I mean, people media might deny that. So unlike you, most are enthralled by, by the by the it, it, it's a mechanism. It, 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 PR begets PR right? right, and, and also, it is money and clout that gets you the voice on boards, whether it's on boards of industry associations or speakers at conferences and forums. So we have set about to change that and we've done it. So now we're being invited to speak across industry sectors to share our model across even internationally. We've spoken for finance, for food manufacturing, for women's world banking, and so I hope this model spreads. I'd be, we'd love to dispel the learnings and have women do it across sectors and even within corporations, you know, as entrepreneurs, because God knows if we wait just for diversity and inclusion to kick in, hell will freeze over before parity kicks in. <laughs>
0: Don't you think? <laughs> Hopefully things are moving a little faster than they were.
1: <laughs> Glacier. <laughs>
0: But I'm just, you know, I know when I get together with a lot of women, sometimes we don't all agree on everything. So when you're doing these collaborative dinners or any of the panels or, or the gift boxes, does everybody agree on what each person is responsible for? Or do you, how do you resolve those kinds of conflicts?
1: It comes up, but you know, that, that, that is working together. Doesn't it happen in a family as well? Oh, it, it happens in any work environment. You've got to learn how to manage that. And we're all mature adults. We know we, know we are doing this for the betterment of each other. We'll pick the best solution, right? Sure. And, but that, yeah, yeah.
0: So on March 1st, you're holding the Let's Talk Women Change Summit. So this is the first time you're doing that. Is that right?
1: Yes, it's called Let's Talk Change. And the intent is to revolutionize change both within ourselves and in our environments. Mm -hmm. It's a two-hour packed forum. And I've deliberately crafted it with the help of McKinsey and Company. I don't want to do a vanilla usual panel on what are the issues with women in the industry and so on and so forth we know them you know we've known them ad nauseum Just so rehash that rehashing that conversation is dull and meaningless and vacuous mm-hmm. so this is packed it's going to have some marquee women speakers like mm-hmm. beyond marquee I'm thrilled I, I will not share names now but they will be there then we will have a phenomenal 40-minute curated crafted panel by, by McKinsey and Company, my alum firm. And I'm so grateful they're doing this, which is purely around how to awaken change within yourself. It's interactive. I've gotten a preview. It's blockbuster. So that number three is we're going to have a panel on who are the change makers in our industry, which is who is doing what for women in our industry? What are the resources available to our women and how should they leverage this? So not many women know, whether it's executives or entrepreneurs, what is the Women's Food Service Forum doing for them? I mean, we know it's out there, but what exactly? Uh What is Ladams doing for women? What is Let's Talk Women doing for women? And we're going to involve a few external entrepreneurial and executive forums too to share their resources and disseminate. Because I strongly believe in making the sum bigger than the making the you know, sum bigger than the parts. So it's only if we can share what we do. So that's meet the change makers. And the fourth is the is phenomenal. It is what can men do for women in our industry? Mm. So there we are privileged to have Jose Andres confirmed. Oh wow. And Danny Meyer and we in conversations with others. And I am very interested in moderating this conversation because I think any women's forum that does not engage men is insular and it will barely make a dent in the issue. So thrilled to have this two hours packed, March 1st, still working out the details of the registration link and the timing, but you'll hear soon. And is, is it virtual or live? Virtual, two hours. And corporations are sharing this within their entire company as, as, as a way to kick off Women's History Month because it's on March 1st. Oh. In fact, SYI, I just shared it with Insight Media too. To say, <laughs> oh, don't God. reinvent the wheel, just share ours. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So this, is, this involves women outside
0: the restaurant industry as well. I mean, you'll have speakers who are outside the industry.
1: Yes, and deliberately so, because we hear from within a lot, this is to expand our horizons and our minds to any form of success that we can distill from these incredibly accomplished people.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree that it's great to hear from people outside the industry. Yeah. And then on March 8th, you have something else exciting coming up. Let's talk and dine together, the biggest yet. (laughs) So tell me about... um, how many cities you're going to and, you know, what some of those are.
1: March 8th, of course, is International Women's Day. Very special to us. Every Let's Talk Women's city, which is now 13 of us, is hosting celebratory dinners by, by a collaboration of women. In some cities, it might be smaller, might be five or six women collaborating to host a dinner. In Chicago, it is now 27 women restaurateurs and counting. Wow. Yes. And, and and it could be 100 people dinners with takeout, or it could be 500 plus with takeout. And so that Miami and Chicago are going really big. We are partnering with Destinations International. Are, are you familiar with them? No, I'm not. Have you ever worked with Choose Chicago or, or NYC? Yeah,
0: NYC and, and, and company. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, so Destination International is the uh, overarching body where 600 of these city DMCs report to Destinations wow. International. So, so we're partnering with them to really showcase every dinner in every city and make each city relish and enjoy and meet their women restaurateurs, come to these dinners, directly support Let's Talk Women restaurateurs. And every dinner will also have a live panel of all our women at the at the at the dinner so this is going to be a massive celebration around the country cool are you doing it in New
0: York City too is that one of them
1: we are do you know Barbara Sibley yeah La yeah. yeah so awesome. Barbara is hosting it oh okay I'll have to get in touch with her so
0: I can go and yeah. do her tasting <laughs> sounds great yeah, she's
1: great so you know we talked yes. to lot- go ahead i'm not i'm not busy at all between vermilion and the summit and the 13 dinners and trying to raise sponsor funds because everything that we raise goes straight to our women like i said and and we need it yeah and in meanwhile i mean you're still
0: running vermilion or i know you have people that work on site no
1: no no it is my baby. It is my baby. It's the core. I also have my daughter. I'm also the economics tutor to both my daughters. So there's a lot going yeah. on. Yeah,
0: you really are juggling a lot. But it sounds so exciting. And I can hear, I can feel your enthusiasm even through the screen here. <laughs> so I'm
1: thrilled. I, I I didn't, It's it's been an incredible journey and I have huge hopes for us. There's so much more we can do together. Apart from just growing this across cities, and there is no limit like every city can hold its own right mm-hmm. other than my bandwidth or I have to figure out a way to scale that we there's so much we can go by way of depth also on collaborations we could we could procure together we could uh, sh- do shared resources together you know or we could we could do books together we could do live streams together we could monetize our brand in some way there's so much we could do pop ups in different cities to to get ourselves out there you know uh, we could be testing grounds for consumer companies given that we know that 83% of the consumption is decision is made by women right and and people should be coming to our 600 women for entrepreneurial and business insights mm-hmm. i mean we are a ready made right Testing ground for anything. so 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 there's there's many avenues to spread into, and mm-hmm. just yeah, at the beginning, I think, yeah. barely a year
0: old. Wow, yeah. you've really expanded in just a year. It's pretty incredible. It's been fun.
1: It's been fun. And we've gotten to know so many of us back that I want to kick myself eighteen years in the industry, and I really didn't know very many women, despite leading the James Weir Foundation women's program. I would go to forums or industry events, do my high bye polite conversation, superficial, check out what people are wearing, mm-hmm. <laughs> and leave as fast as I can. <laughs> you know, I am an introvert at the end of the day, I'm much happier on my couch. <laughs> but uh, now, the way we interact with each other is so different, we, we've just like dropped guards and it feels like we can say anything, or yeah. call anyone. That's a very different dynamic.
0: Yeah. So- I can see that the reward of networking and bonding really is very valuable. And also the revenue rewards. Is there anything else that, you know, stands out to you that, you know, is a reward of these programs?
1: Yeah. So it is real life. The word mentorship is bastardized because everybody uses it. But this is, this is real life learning from each other mm-hmm. and, and, and teaching the younger ones in our group each other's moral support it is camaraderie it is economic dollars by way of collaborations and sponsorships it is tremendous visibility for all of us because we get it's who doesn't love the, the story of scrappy women entrepreneurs in the midst of a crisis banding together to battle this rather than sitting around flailing our hands and weeping you know what I mean right. it's an amazing story uh, so there's the visibility, there's also combining our voices. So we've written op-eds and for instance for Chicago Tribune, normally I wouldn't make it through the editorial door but because it was on behalf of 30 of us, they printed it overnight, mm. right <laughs> yeah. and or we got to meet the governor or we got to negotiate delivery prices in our city. So these are the kinds of things where we been able to combine our voice, different cities are doing it very differently Mm -hmm. And I really want to commend all our co-hosts. So, I mean, Ellen Yin and and so many others in Philadelphia, Della and all her group in Miami, Deborah Van Trace, Annie Quattrano, Rosa in Atlanta. I can go on and on, you know, Jen and Tracy Chang, Nancy Cushman in, and they all bring to it. So they're sending me speakers for the summit or ideas or it's, it's, it's very energizing, yeah. Well, you've definitely taken
0: the organizations that were sort of stale and brought this up to another level because there, were, there are women's organizations, but they all kind of fell by the wayside in the last few years. So this is the, the fresh new one, which is exciting.
1: I hope it's not just a fad and a flavor of the day. Pat, I'm going to be very honest with you. One of the reasons I also have committed myself to doing this for women over the last uh, 12 years plus is what irks me hugely about organizations in our industry and outside also is the hopping from cause to cause from month to month. It's the flavor of the month. So I know in Feb everybody will be all about Black History Month and what can we do? And March, they'll be like, oh my God, let's move the attention to what are we doing for women in our organization. And in May, they'll be about Asia. You know what I mean? And, and then one month will be climate and then one month will be sustainable. I think that is just complete bullshit. I think as an organization, if you truly care about a cause, maybe even two, pick a cause and make a meaningful dent in it. Put your money where your mouth is and, and deliver on it. Don't just hop from month to month and cause to cause and just check the boxes. And That's so that makes me nauseous about our industry and others. <laughs> And so I, I admire corporations that take a stand and have a brand that corresponds to it. For example, American Express is small business. It's clear, right? Right. Yeah. Or I'm trying to think of others that I'm it's not coming to mind. Like, but so if, if, if there's any corporation that out there that really wants to own the women in business or the women entrepreneur space, come to us. Mm-hmm. We are your poster children, right? Right. That's one thing. The second thing, I was, I'm just being very honest with you. So go ahead, go ahead and put whatever you want out there. The second that make, thing that makes me nauseous about our industry is there are a lot of entities and associations and foundations that raise tens of millions of dollars based on chef names, chef celebrities, restaurateurs mm-hmm. and a huge amount of that funding goes primarily to salaries, overheads, rent, you know, Mm -hmm. or or massive celebrations or pats on the back and parties but very little bit trickles down to the actual constituent that needs that money. Mm -hmm. Barely a fraction might come by way of scholarships or grants but the bulk of it goes in sucked up into overheads. So we are the antithesis of all of that.
0: Yeah. So are you working with the James Beard Foundation on this at all or any of the other organizations like um, LADAM or, you know, the other women's centric organizations?
1: So I'm glad you asked. I'm open to anybody and everybody. I started this while I was a trustee at the James Beard Foundation, Mm -hmm. but then I uh, left the board and, and just to focus purely on this middle of last year. Around March or April of July 2021. Mm -hmm. But that being said, and I've done this. If if the Women's Food Service Forum tells me, "Hey, we have this forum for women. Do you want? Can you spread the word? I will send it to all our women. Mm -hmm. Or if MAP does that, or if LDI, anybody. Because I strongly believe in let everybody leverage everything there is. Why would we be turf oriented and guarded about you know my women? (laughs) None of that.
0: No, right. For sure. So going forward, I know that, you know, you have a lot in the works already for 2022, but how else do you see, you know, let's talk women evolving this year after this big March extravaganza, <laughs> because that I'm sure you have to get over that first before you. Yes. you know, tackle so
1: we do have a lot of, we have a whole laundry list of initiatives packed. To go deeper in our collaboration and and like i mentioned uh, we certainly intend to go broader in our collaboration also uh, which means more cities more women trying to be helpful to as many as we can and bring them into the fold and we encourage anyone who's interested in starting up a let's talk in their city to just reach out and and if we have enough traction we'll go for it and how about personally what are you most looking forward to in the new year that's a great question My unrequited desire uh, has always been to write a book. Mm. So I've written 30 op-eds now but never a book other than my dissertation and one at the World Bank on the privatization of the postal sector (laughs) but that was not a (laughs) best-selling revetting read. (laughs) So who knows, maybe I'll do that. Mm -hmm. For my 40th birthday, I climbed Kilimanjaro. That was my uh, summit for myself and I i want to find my next kilimanjaro that's a great question let me think about that and get back to you
0: okay well that sounds exciting i mean kilimanjaro is quite an accomplishment
1: i don't know how you can top that (laughs) i'm sure that there's many more, many more mountains to be scaled isn't that what life is about ultimately yes definitely
0: (laughs) and you know i also wanted to find out what are your favorite kinds of i mean i know you love indian latin cuisine but are there other types of restaurants that you like to go to when you're not actually, quote unquote, working and you just want to enjoy a meal?
1: I'm a compulsive traveler. I've been to now 57 countries and counting. Wow. <laughs> and this is not counting going back to India once or twice a year, every year. I love anything with really bold flavors. Mm-hmm. So I love Sri Lankan food. I love the entire spectrum of Asian fare. Uh, so whether it's Vietnamese or Singaporean or, you Ooh. know, the gamut. I do love Japanese uh, fare, even in, it, in, in its clean flavors. I'm not partial to Western European fine dining at all. I do love Italian food when it's done very simply Mm -hmm. and I've been to all the temples of Oath cuisine, I really have and uh, I'm glad I went, it's always an experience, I've never wanted to go back. (laughs) So it's fascinating but all my memorable moments have come either from the streets of, of countries or from restaurants that have like real food with real favor where it's not just an obsession about being uh, an homage to the chef. It's not all about just finesse and finesse and over finesse to death to the point where there's no flavor. Mm-hmm. Flavors, for me, flavor trumps everything. Thanks so much, Rohini. I really feel so inspired
0: by your passion and enthusiasm. Please join us for another episode of Menu Feed to explore more menu and restaurant trends with chef and operator guests. This and other episodes are available to download on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.